Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Noel, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Alex Guerrier. Did I get that right? Guerrier. Guerrier. Alex Guerrier. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'd get it right. Alex Guerrier, welcome to Listening with Leaders. You are the CEO of Donors Choose, founded at DonorsChoose.org. Yes. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day to be with us. Oh, it is a pleasure. And it's great to have this chance to talk to you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about your backstory. Sure. I will. Uh, how, how in depth should I go? Where should I start? Well, I always like to start at the beginning, but wherever you think things become interesting in your life. Well, you know, I'll mention um, a little bit about my parents. Uh, my parents came from two different countries outside the U.S. My dad uh, is Haitian from Haiti. Um, hence my name, Alex Guerrier, also pronounced in Haiti, Alex Guerrier. It's actually a very Haitian name. Okay. Um, and my mom um, was born and raised in Brazil, uh, quite rural Brazil, I should note. Um, uh, and so uh, my sister and I are first-generation Americans. Uh, I was born in the U.S., in New York, grew up in New Haven, Connecticut, went to New Haven Public Schools, um, and went to college um, planning on being a physicist, uh, but soon found myself sort of drawn to education. Hmm. Um, I, I, as I mentioned, I was a public school kid, New Haven Public Schools. I feel very loyal to New Haven, awesome pizza, also challenges in, in the school system there. Um, and then I went to a fancy college, Harvard, and found myself really unprepared for- I'm not, um, gonna, I'm not gonna hold Harvard <laughs> against you. I went to Dartmouth. <laughs> Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Well, so you 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 know you know what it can be like maybe uh, oh, yeah. to arrive at a place and suddenly find yourself um, really in a, in quite a different world. Uh-huh. Uh, and I had had a sense before, uh, you know, the moment of sort of landing on campus in in, in Cambridge that um, there were differences uh, that kids could have in different places in the country in terms of what they had in school. Uh, but I started to really feel it at, at, at that time, um, you know, um, classmates who had had access to all kinds of classes that I, you know, who had already had civics and government and all this stuff, you know, and AP classes and, and just a bunch of things that I didn't exist um, and weren't available um, in the whole system uh, in New York public schools. Um, and so I found myself starting to gravitate towards thinking about education. Um, uh, I mean, so I, I did a number of things, but I also became, a, you know, after graduation, um, I was a classroom teacher in the Bay Area for a number of years. I taught sixth grade math and science. Out here in California. Uh, then, yep, yep. In, in high school math, I taught in uh, Ravenswood. So that's East Palo Alto. Um, started through Teach for America and then continued. Um, I taught in a charter school called Leadership High School. Uh, which was really an incredible school. I think continues to be an incredible school. I was a high school math teacher um, 
which at you know some level, I still feel like I am a high school math teacher, even as a CEO, even as a parent, uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about math. Um, and then w- went on to do other things. I uh, went to grad school, um, got an MBA, master's in ed, um, joined uh, McKinsey, was a consultant in the social sector office, so working with school systems. In 2011, I co-founded an education technology company, um, uh, which developed um, math curriculum first and then uh, other s- uh, sorts of curricula. Um, um, that company was acquired, is now called Imagine Learning and still serving kids and teachers to this day. Uh, I made a transition to nonprofit leadership. I led another giving platform called Global Giving, which um, supports charities around the world. Um, you know, it was a deliberate attempt on my part to connect with this international part of my background. And, and I love, deeply love that organization. Uh, but then also had the chance to come back to the education sector um, here at Donors Choose, where I'm, I'm currently CEO. Um, and so I have spent the last year, uh, I'm now in my sophomore year as CEO <laughs> of Donors Choose, um, just um, loving it and and feeling the, the privilege of, of being in this role um, really every day. Tell us about Donors Choose. Donors Choose is a nonprofit organization founded in 2000 by another classroom teacher. I'm the first non-founder to to lead it. And the core idea is pretty simple. Um, It is a platform where public school teachers from around the country, any public school teacher, including charter schools, can come to Donors Choose and request materials, resources that they would like to have in their classroom that they um, either can't afford, uh, teachers spend a lot out of pocket um, to, to supply their classrooms or that you know otherwise aren't available from the district. Uh, and then individual donors or larger corporate partners um, can fund these requests. Uh, unlike other crowdfunding platforms, we don't send cash. Instead, we actually send those resources um, to the teachers at the school becomes part of you know school district property, um, and really that's that's the core model. Um, and we've grown that model. Uh, this year we'll raise about 150 million dollars worth of um, materials of for yeah yeah it's Whoa. it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, yeah we feel proud about that number and we're also trying to grow that number. So um, to date we've we've done about one and a half billion, maybe it's 1.4 something billion dollars worth. Wow. Of, of resources for for teachers around the country. Yep, and uh, and we serve schools across the country. Um, I think we last counted, eighty seven percent of schools in the country have had at least one donors choose project, and there are a lot that have had a lot more than that. But uh, we're trying to get to every school, maybe every classroom. Wow, and you're talking K through twelve, K through twelve, yes, uh, pre K through twelve as well, okay. yeah. And so all that has to happen is a teacher has to know about donors choose, make an application on the site. If, yeah. And and then when the money's available, I'm sure you have priorities and how you rank stuff. What the request is put in boxes and shipped out to the school site and the, the teacher yeah. gets it on a on a FedEx box and there it is. Yeah, yeah. Amazon, it can come to Amazon Prime the next day yeah. sometimes. Uh and it's all available. You know, certainly I'll uh be encouraging uh the entire audience of, of, of this uh, podcast and video to, to check out donorschoose.org. But yeah, you can um, um, go to um, any project and see exactly 
you know, what was sent and, and notes be between donors and, and teachers about, wow. uh, about what that project is. So how many, how many thousands of teachers have benefited from this? Or maybe it should be tens of thousands. Yeah, no, I, I, it's hundreds of thousands hundreds to, today, of thousands. Al, al, almost a million, I think just shy of a million teachers uh, to date. That, no one, I, I mean, I looked at the website and I saw how big, I mean, you've got what, 70, 80 employees, people working for the organization. We're, we are now at about 170. Okay. Um, yeah. It's big. Yeah. <laughs> it's I mean, big. yeah well, it's, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we do all the, you know, all the fulfillment, the shipping, if, by the way, if there are returns or questions, we handle all of that, you know, um, if something goes out of stock, we will find, you know, a replacement or work with a teacher to find, uh, you know, a, another suitable resource. Um, we report on impact. So, yeah. What an amazing program. Huh. So what gets you excited to get up in the morning every day and go to work? Oh, second year there season? are, there are a lot of things. I mean, you know, I can start and th there really are a lot of different components of the answer to that question. Um, but I can give you a sense with just talking about one of the privileges that I have in this role, which is I get to go out and visit classrooms. Um, and I get to go out and talk to teachers who, um, you know, are, are, uh, who we are serving. Um, for example, just, you know, two days ago, I think I, I was in a classroom in, um, the Bronx and I emphasize Bronx because I talked to the principal and she said, don't just talk about Fairmont Academy. If you ever mention us, make sure to say we are in the South Bronx and you know, she got <laughs> crossed arms like this. So I'm living up to that obligation. Okay. Um, um, uh, so Monique, the, I, I, I'm, I'm fulfilling your request here of emphasizing it's the South Bronx. And she was, she's of that community. Mm -hmm. You know, she grew up in the South Bronx and uh, was really proud of how she had had a pathway that was um, unconstrained by um, or broke through some of the resource constraints that that can that she experienced and and that her her kids that her students currently experience. Um, but I had a chance to you know um, she uh, she asked teachers in her building that uh, are are quite successful and donors choose, and yeah, I got to talk to those teachers and, and visit their classroom. Um, and the feeling of going to the classroom and seeing, especially in an environment that again, you know, can be quite resource constrained, but seeing a beautiful, rich learning environment for kids, seeing kids thriving, working on stuff. So I'll give you a sense of what was in this particular classroom. Um, she had done, um, a bunch of requests re related to Legos and just, she had Lego creations, um, I think this was a third grade classroom, um, you know, uh, decorating her, her, uh, the walls also in that, um, period, she was working on uh, a nature and gardening lesson. She had two hydroponic sort of growing stations with grow lights and, uh, that were thriving. And in fact, she had, this teacher had started a practice at the school, um, and again, if you can imagine this is an area, obviously it's an urban area. Um, kids have some access, but often limited access to real, you know, green space. Um, but here the kids were working on growing these, they were diagramming the plants as I walked in. They had access to this green stuff. Not only that, they had actually started a practice of having, I forget what they call it, but sort of 
garden um, like innovation days or, or salad innovation days where they would then harvest the cucumbers and the, the vegetables and then put together salads that were then delicious and healthy and, and, and the kids were actually excited about eating. So um, I'm just describing this experience because uh, what gets me up every morning is the fact that we can play a role in bringing dreams like that, that teachers have of, of serving their kids uh, to life. And, you know, it's almost unfair because I get to walk into the classroom and then the teachers have all this thanks and gratitude. Of course, I didn't, you know, I, I'm, I'm just the guy um, at the top of the website. The work is really being done by that teacher and by other folks on the team. Right. But um, I'm happy to be a conduit for that gratitude and then and then share it with um, with my team and then also convey how inspired we are to that teacher and say thank you for, for doing your work. I would imagine the people on your team are su supremely thrilled to be doing what they're doing. Uh, it's it's an amazing it's an amazing amazing group of people you know each one of them coming from different backgrounds but right. each one of them um, yeah uh, motivated by by this goal. Oh, man, I mean I kind of sense goosebumps up my back when I just can imagine walking into this classroom and it's completely decked out and here's a teacher a third grade teacher doing a yeah. science lesson with plants yes and drawing so there's art involved I mean it's just multidisciplinary the way education really should be and absolutely yeah you guys are facilitating it because you can give her the supplies she needs to, to deliver that kind of educational experience amazing yeah that, that that's our mission <laughs> wow incredible so what do you think it, it's unique that brings you that you what's unique about you that, that you bring to the table Oh, don't ask that question too loudly. Otherwise, you know, people might start to question it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, see, but, <laughs> I, see, I see a lot of things myself, but I'm just curious. About well, I, yeah, I, I can share, um, you know, some, some of the factors. Um, it, it's funny because in going through my career, I took a lot of seemingly random turns. Like, for example, I majored in physics. Then I worked at an investment bank, but then became a classroom teacher after that. Then I went to grad school. Then I was a consultant. Then I did this ed tech thing. But it turns out that actually many of those relate pretty directly to my role now. Obviously, the technology platform, the fact that I was a classroom teacher, uh, the fact that even in my sort of detour out of education to global giving, that was a crowdfunding platform with a very similar model. Um, so I think that all of those play a role. Uh, but then also... Um, you know, just my identity as a public school kid, we have um, we have a focus uh, at Donors Choose on equity, racial equity and socioeconomic equity. So we serve all public schools. Again, we've actually served most public schools and, and we aspire to increase that percentage. And on top of that, we also have a, a deliberate focus on equity. One of the ways that that mm. focus is manifested is that um, if a school has a student population where two things are true, where over 50% of the kids uh, are eligible for a free or reduced lunch. And this is kind of a standard way of gauging um, income level, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, across public education. So if over 50% of the kids are um, in that category, and if over 50% of the students are, uh, have traditionally underserved racial identity, so that is Black, Latino, Indigenous, Pacific Islander. If those two conditions are true in the school, then that's an equity-focused school. And our, we're a nonprofit, we have a board. Our board has actually designated that um, 
that's our top key performance indicator that we serve all schools and we strive to disproportionately ensure that those schools get um, a disproportionate amount of funding. And um, those are the schools that I taught in, you know, the schools that I taught in. Were, um, yeah, and these, yeah, for sure, both. And actually all the, the schools that I went to as a kid. I mean, obviously we didn't have this designation and this was before Donor Shoes existed, but at the time they would have been, and today they are um, uh, equity focused schools. And so it has a you know particular meaning to me, uh, but I also seek to bring that experience of being a student in those schools and sort of finding myself pushing against some of the constraints um, to, to my, my job here. Wow. Yeah, I can, I mean, you are a unique individual. I mean, you've got a, your, your, your biracial background, mm -hmm. your education in public schools in New Haven, and then your whole education, <laughs> the culture shock of going to Harvard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do have a degree from Harvard, I, but I, I can't admit that I, it was hard fought <laughs> and it almost didn't happen. I think by a couple of credits there. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, I know. I mean, I was a California kid and my, my culture shock was not because I came from a completely different world. I came from affluence and privilege. Mm -hmm. um, so it was more of an environmental shock going from Southern California to Northern New Hampshire. Yeah. Oh, very different. <laughs> Di diametrically opposed in some kind of literal way there. <laughs> pretty, pretty much. Um, that's pretty cool. So this show is called Listening with Leaders because as a lawyer turned peacemaker, I am very interested in listening as, as a foundational skill of life. Tell me about the importance of listening in your career and in what you're doing now and leading this amazing organization called Donors Choose. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll, I'll talk about two different aspects of listening, but you know, uh, others may also come up. Um, one is when it comes to developing the product and the offering. Um, I think uh, I am still heavily influenced by my experience um, trying to you know, bring a uh, platform to life uh, at the EdTech startup that I co-founded with with my co-founder, who also, you know, was a lifelong educator and and, and a principal, um, and trying to develop a platform that was useful to teachers. Um, for certain, the core activity that we did was to listen. I mean, ask questions, but then listen, observe, um, observe people using this platform we were trying to put on useful you know free video lessons um and um yeah we spent most of our time trying to distill insights from what we collected through conversations and observations and classroom observations from the people that we were trying to serve i mean that was sort of most of what we did uh throughout that time and um that's also the case here, you know, where um, we have this platform that's working, it's serving teachers. Um, uh, but in terms of, you know, improving that platform, the ideas don't come from inside the building, right? Uh, as Steve Blank would say, like they come from out of the building. They're, they're not gonna come about through a bunch of us holed up in a conference room in our New York office, you know, sort of being brilliant. Uh, you know, no insights are generated that way. It's only through um, 
uh, having a real listening orientation towards towards our users and our stakeholders because we have we have many of them. So that's sort of one domain. But another thing comes to mind. You know, I have uh, I have two daughters who are uh, this year this summer going to turn eleven and thirteen. Um, so at an age where they're curious about stuff and where stuff doesn't make sense, but also stuff makes sense. And, you know, sometimes they ask me like, what, you know, what, what is your job exactly? What, what do you do? Uh, surprisingly difficult question to answer. Um, but one of the ways that I answer them is to say, well, I spend most of my time talking to people. <laughs> I sort of spend half my time talking to people inside donors choose inside the company. And then I spend half my time talking to people outside. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now, spending half my time talking to people outside. And um, in each of those, that's most of my time, in fact, you know, like I'm not sure that I really do any work, but I do a lot of talking or a lot of, com uh, you know, conversation and definitely a lot of listening. Um, for example, um, when I'm talking to folks inside Donors Choose, um, again, I, you know, I'm talking to my soon to be 13 year old about what it is to be a CEO. Um, you know, and uh, disabusing her of the idea that I'm telling people what to do, because really, <laughs> most of what I'm doing is trying to be helpful. <laughs> I'm trying to be helpful in what they want to do. And, right. you know, kind of having them tell me uh, what 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 they need from me. Um, and again, most of that is listening in. Um, there's a particular kind of my usual starting question when I have a one-on-one -on -one with, um, well, with anybody in my team, either a direct report or, or somebody else is just like, what's on your mind? I like that question. What's on your mind? Because it's quite open. <laughs> I mean it literally, you know, what's on your mind. Sometimes often it's related to, you know, the work, but often it's not. Um, and I am listening for, what is salient to that person at that time? Um, I'm listening for, um, usually I try to listen for sort of emotional signifiers. So if somebody has a bullet, <laughs> you know, a bulleted list of sort of, here's some of the things. And then in one of those, they use the word frustrated or I'm really nervous about, or uh, I was, you know, then I'll try to hone in on that and say, oh, wait, hold on. Let's just <laughs> tell me a little bit more about that. Uh, um, you know, if there is a kind of a, an emotion attached to it, because often that will end up being the most important um, topic and, and probably the it best way always, that we can it spend. Always, it is the most important. Yeah. Always, <laughs> exception. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and we can find ourselves, you know, sort of in surprising areas, you know, where folks say, oh, I didn't, I wasn't expecting to talk about this today, but Again, you know, you well, usually you stumbled, you're glad that it came up. That's right. You stumbled on something. And it's interesting. I, I probably do four or five of these podcasts every week. And I always ask the same question about listening. And it's rare to hear someone actually mention emotions as being a significant thing to listen for, because that's what I teach. Uh, I, yeah. I teach that we listen for words, we listen for meaning, and most importantly, we, we listen for emotions and feelings. Yeah. Because almost all, all of the all of the importance in what somebody says or what they're communicating is what their emotional experience is. Yeah, that, yeah. that, that, that is what I, it's almost like a heat map, <laughs> you know? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and when you can learn how to listen to emotions and to your point, you can either ask, well, tell me more about that or 
what I teach is how to reflect emotions. Oh, man, you're really mm. frustrated. You're really pissed yeah. off. Because brain scanning studies show that when you listen to and reflect emotions with a you statement, it calms everything down. That's oh, interesting. Fourth book, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less. We just use the brain's architecture. Instead of trying to fight a person, we, we let their brains do the work for us. And Is with, it a kind of validation? Is that the sort of mechanism? People end up feeling validated. But what happens is, what the brain scanning studies show is that when you when you affect label, tell somebody what they're feeling using a use mm -hmm. statement, the emotional centers of the brain are inhibited while the right ventral lateral prefrontal cortex is activated. And they show this in the fMRI study. Oh, really powerful. And as, as a result, we can calm any angry person or we can validate somebody or we can make somebody feel deeply heard. So you create instant trust, loyalty, and engagement with any human being or instant intimacy within 90 seconds. And hmm. you're doing it. So good job. Oh, well, thank, thanks. I, I now have a new book to, <laughs> to put on my list. Yeah, de-escalate. Yeah. I'm an angry person in 90 seconds or less. And, and I'm just so pleased to hear that you're, you're paying attention to emotions because we live in a culture where emotions are considered toxic. Yeah. And, evil. and yet we're 98% emotional and only 2% rational. So we're I mean, denying right. our own humanity. Exactly. We're, we're just a bunch of people, you know, trying, <laughs> trying our best here. That's right. So where do you see yourself going? You've been you've been in this job for going on two years now, as you mm -hmm. said, sophomore CEO with. Uh, yeah. What, what, what's what's where's Alex going? What's what's well, you're pretty. Yeah. Uh, still. Yeah. You know, get, getting up there. I think I think I, I just went to my um, 25 year college reunion. So uh, one of the panels at this reunion was life at midlife <laughs> about <laughs> essentially about the 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 impending midlife crises that uh, all of us are going to have um um it hasn't happened yet um so i you know i i expressed a bit about the the incredible sense of privilege that i feel in in this role um uh, our goal is to um well, let me put it this way. When I first joined, you know, the board correctly told me, hey, this organization works. Please don't break anything. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Actually, speaking of listening, they told me, can you please spend the first year listening? Because things are working, you know, they did express, you know, gave some nice words to me, but they're like, don't, don't break anything. Just, just listen. So I tried to do that. Now I'm out of my, you know, probationary period. I can, I can start to <laughs> To, to to express some thoughts um weaknesses here and there <laughs> um but they were right i mean this is an incredible organization it's an incredible platform for uh really pushing hard against structural inequity right. and the entire team is aligned about expanding our network of allies and our ability to to work with other parts of the system but with this goal of, of pushing hard against I think uh, structural great. inequities. Yeah. I think that's great. So, yeah. We're, we're on a way to make sure that every classroom is like that classroom that I described, you know, where, like where kids and teachers just have, yeah, just have what they want and are thriving and the kids are happy and learning, you know, and, and we're living up to their potential. How do how do teachers find out about donors choose? Uh, often through um, word of mouth, we have ambassadors as well, uh, who are teachers who have been successful that we sort of deputize to, to share the word. Um, 
but we're always looking to get more teachers, you know, on. Huh. So if any teachers are, are listening to this podcast and you haven't uh, visited donorschoose.org, please do so. Um, all right. We've got our local, our local little mountain school district is a troubled place. So maybe I'll pass the word on to them. Oh, please do. Yeah, please do. Absolutely. One more question. I'll let you go. What is one thing about you, Alex, that we would not know about unless you told us? Oh, uh, or maybe unless you spent time with me, you know, exactly. uh, out of the role, uh, that I can be convinced to sing <laughs> at the drop of a hat, you know, really? I have the entirety of, uh, uh, rent memorized, you know, that was a, a, a pivotal, uh, musical for a person sort of of my age who was living in New York, you know, in the late nineties. So it's sort of seared in my brain. Um, That's yeah. Wow. <laughs> Singer, huh? Do you do much singing? Uh, only, only in karaoke and, and now with, with my kids. In fact, I think we're going to watch Rent this, this, uh, well, that's this fun. weekend. That's fun. Good for you. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been a great conversation. I, I have enjoyed it. And I, I'm grateful to you for, for this chance to get to know you, learn about the book and, and, uh, and have this conversation. You're welcome. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listeningwithleaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.